Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Friday morning. Thank you guys for tuning in to us this week. Been a great week here on Thunder and Lightning. You guys are a big part of that. Thanks to all of our listeners who get supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get your podcasts from. We appreciate you uh, joining us today. And 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 don't forget, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, we have a special edition with oh, yeah. Mike Leach on the feed. It's yeah. not it's not on this show, so no. you're going to have to go download it or click on it or it's, maybe it's already on your thing. One Whatever. You should have to do. You got to go get it yeah. um, if you don't have it already. But there is an exclusive with head coach Mike Leach. Absolutely. And we ask football questions. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Crazy. So anyway, yeah, thanks to everyone as you usually do here. Yes, especially our servicemen and women. You, you want to handle it? Since you just jump right in? Well, I just while I was thinking about it, I wanted to remind folks. So I may have forgotten at the end of all of our You sure you don't want to do it? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I'll let you do it. You just have that boisterous radio voice that everybody when they hear A you. Gravitas. They just, yeah. If, if you will. Just has some has some weight to it. Oh, I get it. Actually I, I didn't mean it that way. No, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thank our servicemen and women out there taking care of us, of course, and our medical personnel here at home. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and Turn and Spoon Ice Cream. I went to uh, Strange Brew today to uh, buy Dak Prescott his coffee. That brewer forward is waiting, and he can get any coffee he wants on my brewer forward. Any small or extra large, any hot or frozen drink, it's covered. You're welcome. If Jerry Jones had done it, I might already have a deal. Huh? Oh, if that, Jerry, that could have been the the one missing piece. Yeah, that, it's like you know, it's a little coffee. Jerry Jones doesn't get any coffee. You know why? He can't close the he's deal. Not a closer. He's not a closer. Boom, Jerry, put that coffee, coffee down. down. You know what it takes to work in the NFL? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> but that said, I went by. I went by there today. They have a a, a case. If you, you know, they're not they're not selling ice cream out of tournament just yet. But they have a case of pints of ice cream. Of all some of their top flavors, I saw that's my jam. I saw some birthday uh, birthday cake. I saw the uh, the breakup. All those, you know, Netflix and chill. They got it all in in the case there. So if you want ice cream, they can take care of you uh, at Churn and Spoon, and of course at Strange Brew Coffee House. Great in there, doing all the the right things. Everybody's masked up. They're keeping you safe, keeping your 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 everything as sanitary as possible. But there's also still that great service with a smile. I know it's a smile, even though I can't see the smile. I know there's a smile. Yeah. So. Absolutely. There I you just, go. I, I'm, I have nothing else to add. Well, there you go. I got one of my free. Uh, my free. I've been having some issues with these free beverages, and so so my wife on Mother's Day was like, "Hey, why don't you go get me one of your?" She told me on Saturday, "Why don't you go get me one of those coffees? I know you've got a free one." I was like, "I can do that." Then that night, she's like, "You know what? I'm gonna be awake hours before you anyway, so you know, I'll just have coffee then." And I was like, "Okay." Apparently, what she meant was, you needed to get up. No, no. She meant when you get up, go get the coffee. But that's not how I took it, and so I was I was in trouble. Yeah. Today, I tell her I got to go to Strange Brew to buy this thing. She's like, "Oh, you're going to Strange Brew? Maybe I can get that coffee." And then my youngest daughter says, "Oh, you're going to Strange Brew?" She's like, "Yeah, you could get her something." What I heard was, you could get her something. What she meant was... Get us both something. Get us both something. So I go back home with my daughter's drink, and I get asked, where's mine? Ladies, if you're listening... Strike two. Yeah. Well, I've been married almost 18 years, so <laughs> I, I've struck out many times. Don't we'll worry. just say you're fouling them off. Yeah, I'm, I'm batting about 225. You know, I'm a, I'm a career near the Mendoza line kind of hitter on these things. What I'm going to tell ladies, if you're listening, help your men out and put it in as black and white terms as you can. Yeah, we like to uh, keep it real here on Thunder and Lightning. That's right. We're idiots. Yeah, we real dumb. So uh, yeah, if you, if there's something you want, you got to tell us. 
the ideal method is to say, I want this. Actually, the ideal method Example, is to buy one of those airplanes with a the banner behind it and have yeah. that circle us. Yeah, that, that's great. I might get it then. Example here of, I, I've actually got a great one. As, as I'm sitting here and as we record this show, my very pregnant wife, yeah. who with every pregnancy, I mean, maybe she's anemic, whatever, but she always gnaws on ice the entire pregnancy. Okay. And uh, she likes like the sonic ice. Yeah, sure. And so it's the best ice. I got a text while ago, and she said, "I need ice. Can you get me some ice on the way home?" Yeah. Like there, there's no beating around. You the got bush. a bag of ice, didn't you? There's no. Well, I, I will leave here and I'll go pay sixty six cents at Sonic and get the little cup of ice. Oh, okay, okay. She'll be just as happy as her little pregnant self could be. But she spelled it out. She didn't beat around the bush like. Hey, uh, yeah, yeah. you doing anything when you leave? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It was just give me some ice. I don't need signals. I need answers. Yeah, that's what I need. Yeah, I just hit me over the forehead well, with. If it. the question is, what do you want to drink? The answer should be Strange Brew Coffee House. Absolutely. CollegeCornerStore.com. That's where you could be saving money right now. I can't make it any easier on you folks. I'm doing everything I can. I am trying my darndest to keep you in a the best looking Mississippi State merchandise at the best possible price. And when I tell you you can get 30% off any gift card purchase, well, buddy, I'm just giving it away at that point. So go to collegecornerstore.com, look for gift bars in the search bar, gift cards in the search bar there on their new and improved website, and you're going to get 30% off. So a $100 gift card is only going to cost you $70. I can't make it any easier. They can't make it any easier. They can't give you a better deal. Do it right now, collegecornerstore.com. Our good friends over at Advantage Business Systems want to remind you that no matter what you're doing with your employees right now, whatever you're doing with your business, they have a solution for you. If you're looking to upgrade some of the technology you have around the office, they are the ones who can offer full sales and service for every piece of equipment you need. If you're trying to keep your employees at home, they need devices in their house, their home office, they can get that set up and they have some special deals for you to check out right now. So, After 45 years of experience here in this state, I think they might know a thing or two over at Advantage Business Systems. Why don't you give them a call and see how they can help you at 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com. Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. This is going to be a fun show for me and Joel because we're not going to talk a whole lot. we got a lot of this show done. Yeah, and and, and it's probably best that way because... uh yeah. Little, little Joel here was... Joel, what brand of baby food were you eating yeah. when we were talking about this? I, yeah. I, I think at this point I was probably at least had graduated to like fish sticks. Fish sticks? Something like that, yeah. Okay. Like five, six. All right. We're talking deep dive today, 1990-91 Mississippi State basketball, the SEC championship team. We have two great, great interviews, and we're going to go to those on the Welcome Home Beef hotline. We'll just move right on into those. Our friends at Welcome Home Beef want to remind you that you can be grilling the top dog of cow. Is that is that how does that work? The alpha dog of cow? May need to work on that one a little bit. The the pick of the litter of cow? I don't know. I'm not double animal analogies. Not great. Not, not but it'll good. be okay. What will be okay is when you're putting that ribeye steak, that fillet, that New York strip, those incredible burgers, all that stuff on the grill. We talked about it on the good things with Rebecca Turner. You got all these free weekends. You might as well be cooking, and you might as well be cooking with the food that you get, the meat that you get from Welcome Home Beef. So call them at 662-418-2021 or visit them online at facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef. They'll ship anywhere. Anywhere. We, we, I, we didn't get a shout-out from Indonesia, no. so I assume it's not there. No. and I, I mean today's, today's country of choice is going to be Madagascar. Anybody listening in Madagascar? A, we want to hear about it, and B, Welcome Home Beef will ship to you. We think. We think. Surely they would. Why wouldn't they? I mean... Meat travels, butter. I maintain in the the world of electronic communication, you're just a click or a push of a button away from from being in contact with Welcome Home Beef, and they can tell you if they will ship to Madagascar. You know, we've been hearing about this this parallel universe you've been reading. I saw that. I wonder if there's a Welcome Home Chicken over there. Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Is there a podcast named, I don't know. Lightning and Thunder. Yeah. I don't know how that works. They're, they celebrate the legacy of Will Palmero and Raphael Clark over there. I don't yeah. know. Weird stuff. What's not weird is Welcome Home Beef. Again, 662-418-2021. Facebook.com slash Welcome Home Beef. And another thing that's not weird is when you, you get the Welcome Home Beef products at your home, you put them in the pan, you put them on the grill, you put it in the crock pot, 
You take that taste of it, and... It just tastes good. All right. Interview time. 1990-1991 Mississippi State basketball. A team that... And and our first interview is with Coach Richard Williams. He'll tell you, I feel like this team is underrated, Joel. I think I agree with what Coach Williams says in that so much attention is paid to the 1995-96 Final Four team, as well it should be. You know, that's... The best team, that's the best team in school history. There's no question about that. But this team was, was the foundation upon which that house was built. And for a lot of MSU fans, especially if you were an MSU fan that really isn't into baseball, this was the first taste of any real success in a decade. You know, the 80, 80 and 81 football teams had gone to bowls, but you hadn't been to one since. Now, Jackie Sherrill gets hired in this time frame of this season. And, of course, he has that, uh, and I think Greg Carter brings it up in our interview with him, which will follow. That you know he he uh, showed up for that last game and brought donuts to everybody outside the hump that was camping out for seats. But there's not a whole lot to cheer at about for Mississippi State outside of what's going on at Duty Noble Field, which was great, obviously. So this was a sort of a, a seminal moment in Mississippi State athletic history. This was like the first taste of success for a lot of Bulldog fans, um, and it was a, a a hell of a ride, a fun season, a lot of of characters. A lot of uh, memorable players, memorable games, and we're, we're looking forward to talking about it. So, yeah. without any further ado, let's go to the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, and let's welcome Coach Richard Williams to the podcast. So, joining us now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, Coach Richard Williams, who, of course, was the head coach uh, in 1990-91 for this SEC championship team. Coach, I really feel like to start talking about this team, we need to go all the way back to your first year as the head coach and what Mississippi State basketball was at, at that time. The thought that you know four years from then you could be hoisting the SEC championship, I know as a coach you like to think, okay, we can do this, we're going to build a championship program. But outside of that, outside of you, that's not a, a dream a lot of MSU fans would have believed in. And, and, of course, it came in a time where outside of baseball there wasn't a lot of athletic success at Mississippi State. Just take us through the journey from your first year to this year of, of building this team. Well, you know, I, I was there for two years uh, with Coach Boyd as the part-time assistant. Uh, I was not even a full-time assistant, and the part-time assistant meant that I could help coach on the floor, I could scout, I could do those things, but I could not get out and recruit uh, and those kinds of things. Uh, it also meant I just got a part-time salary. So I had another job on campus to make up a salary because when I left Colin Junior College, uh, obviously I, I took a big salary cut because the only thing I could get paid at Mississippi State through the athletic department was the amount of a scholarship. It was more like a graduate assistant, actually. And so I was working in college and school relations, and I tell Jimmy Abraham all the time, I signed his name on more recruiting letters than Jimmy Abraham did <laughs> because that's what my job was in college school relations. So I would go over there in the mornings and go to the basketball office after that. Anyway, two years, Coach Boyd uh, resigns. He rec- uh, recommended me for the job. And uh, it's a long story, but I ended up getting the job uh, and uh, being a part-time assistant. Now, that gives you an idea of where our program was. When, when a, a Division One program in the Southeastern Conference will hire the part-time assistant as the head coach, uh, it's something that never happened in today's climate. Uh, and I inherited a program, I think, that won eight or nine games a year before. Uh, I was the fifth coach in ten years. Uh, Mississippi State had not been to postseason play. I think 1978, I think they went to NIT and lost to Alcorn. Uh, previous to that, 1963 uh, was the only time Mississippi State ever been to the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, you take over a program that uh, is not thought of as, as uh, a national program, certainly. Uh, although back in the late 50s, early 60s, under Coach McCarthy, they had some great basketball teams. Yes. But it, it, it didn't, it, after that, they just fell off for whatever reason. There are a lot of reasons for it that we go into, but a lot of reasons. And I had a team that had some guys on it that, that I just didn't think fit the culture uh, that I was looking for, the culture of hard work. Uh, the culture of going to class, the culture of trying to get a degree. Uh, my background was in academics. I was a math major. I taught math for 17 years. And, and I wanted guys that were serious about getting degrees. And so after the first year, when well, we really struggled for a lot of reasons. Some of them, I just didn't know what I was doing. Uh, 
we, we signed eight players. Uh, John Brady, when I say we, John Brady and I, and, and John did most of it. Judy Smith was the other assistant on the staff. Dwayne Rebold was my part-time assistant. And uh, signed eight players, all of them freshmen, because I didn't want to go a shortcut route. I wanted to build a program. I didn't want to have a good team for one year. I wanted to build a program, because it's my school. I went to school there. And so those those eight guys, eight freshmen, they came in there, and nobody knows how hard we worked those guys. Uh, I mean, it, it was unbelievable how hard we worked those players, and, and some of them didn't make it. Uh, and, and Greg Carter, who was on that first class, uh, became my assistant coach later on, and he actually told me one time, he said, Coach, we would go back to the athletic dorm after practice, and we'd get in a room, and, and we'd talk about Somebody's got to go tell that guy, we're not coming back to practice until you let's up on us. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, well, Greg, nobody ever did that. He said, Coach, nobody was brave enough to. <laughs> so, it was really hard. And, and the reason was, uh, I, I knew that we weren't, at that point in, in our program, we weren't going to sign the quality of talent that LSU was signing, that Alabama was signing, that Florida was signing, Tennessee. We were going to get those kind of players. We could get good players, but not that kind of player. We knew we had to be tougher mentally and physically and in better physical condition than anybody else we played. And what we put them through in practice made the game seem like nothing. So, you know, they hung in there with us, six other state with us, and Keith Hooper actually came later on as a walk-on, became part of the 91 team. And uh, we, we got better each year. Now, sometimes the record didn't show it because our schedule got better each year. In 1990, we go to the NIT. We beat Baylor in the NIT. That was the first postseason play since, I think, 78. And in 91, we, we uh, beat LSU or tie LSU for the SEC championship. And, uh, you know, that's the team that had Shaquille O'Neal on it. And, and some people forget we beat LSU not only in start, well, the last game of the season, we beat LSU in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Uh, so we beat them both times that year. Yeah, we're uh, so, going to ask you about that a little later in, in the interview. Yeah, yeah, we beat we we won both of those games against LSU, and I I think and, and you know I told you this. We talked about having the show tonight. I think that team is the team that made basketball relevant again at Mississippi State. I agree, and I firmly believe without the '91 basketball team, which I don't think gets nearly enough credit. A long time ago, most young guys like you guys. But you're in sports, you go back and look at Most people don't remember that team. But that team does not get nearly the credit it deserves for what it did at that point in time. You're talking about, uh, you're talking about, let me get coaches in the league Eddie Sutton, Dale Brown, uh, Wimp Sanderson, Sonny Smith, uh, Don DeVoe, uh, people like that. Those are the guys we were competing against. And yet we were able to do that, and it's simply because. We went out and recruited a bunch of Mississippi kids that believed in our university and wanted to do something special. Without that team, I believe there never would have been a Final Four team. Now, I, I, you're not going to get me to disagree with you because, like I said, you know, baseball was baseball, obviously, under Ron Polk. But football had been a decade since they went to a bowl game. And basketball, in my lifetime at this point, had never really done anything. You mentioned that 78, 79 trip. But, I'm, I mean, I'm just like a three- or four-year-old baby at that point. So I don't have any memory of it. This was the first time that I saw Mississippi State basketball have, have real success. And you mentioned this team and the way you recruited it. Nowadays, if a, team, a roster like you had, you would expect to see it at Butler or Wichita State, one of these mid-majors that – that beats up on on the big programs. I and mean, what I mean by that is, you had so much experience. You had four seniors in your starting lineup. You had a couple of juniors off the bench. You had Carl Nichols as a senior off the bench. How important was it to have those guys, like you said, who had been with the program for so long, and the way you had constructed this team to to, to give you that kind of success? Well, I, I think that's one of the, the big reasons why we were successful because we were experienced and they've been through everything. Let, let me give you an example. When those guys were freshmen, Greg Carter, Carl Nichols, uh, all those guys, Doug Hartsfield, when they were freshmen, we go to Kentucky. We'd just come back from a game. Uh, we'd been to the, uh, Hawaii to a tournament, which was scheduled before I became the head coach. And we did okay. And we were winning some games early because we made our schedule uh, easy for those freshmen. We go to Kentucky for the first conference game. Eddie Sutton's the coach. They're ranked number one in the country. And I use this line sometimes. I used to give motivational talks when I used to get asked to do that. 
halftime score of that game, 55 to 17. Oof. We didn't have a 55. <laughs> Four years later, that same group of freshmen, they'd been through all of those things, they won the championship. And it was because they were an experienced basketball team that had been through everything you could go through. One of the things before that season that happened that really, I think, motivated those guys as much as anything, I know it did me, Dwayne Rebold, who I mentioned, had been my part-time assistant. He was with us for, I think, three years, uh, maybe maybe four. But anyway, he took the head coaching job at Birmingham Southern. And a sports writer in Birmingham, who now is one of my friends, Kevin Skarbinski, I don't know if you guys have heard of Kevin. I know Kevin, yeah. Kevin wrote a column covering the SEC media days, and he picks the order of finish for the SEC. Now, I used to tell him all the time to me, I said, look, Here's what you're going to do. Uh, you're going to put Kentucky number one, Mississippi State last, and you're going to fill in between. We were picked to finish in the bottom half of the league, and Kevin Skarbinski's comment about our team was experienced losers. Oh. I called Kevin, and I said, Kevin, I want you to understand one thing. This team, they haven't won a lot, although we did go to NIT the year before. They are experienced, but they're not losers. They're quality kids. They go to class. They're going to earn their degrees. They represent our university in the way it should be represented. They are not losers. Dwayne Rebo sent me that article, and we had it on our bullet board the entire season, and our players would look at it every single day in the team room. And from that conversation, that article, and the conversation I had with Kevin, we became great friends from that point on. But that thing... They were experienced, but people just didn't think they were that good, and they had no idea. Now, the talent level we had on that team was good, but unless we played really, really well and played together, we could lose games because we weren't talented enough to go out there and not play our best and win. But when we played right, we were a good basketball team. When everybody was on the same page and everybody was playing right, we were a really good basketball team. You got off to a good start that year. You know, 7-0 starting non-conference play. And then you have the game uh, just after Christmas against Ohio State, who was ranked in the top ten at the time, and you lose a really close game. I think if you ask the average fan when they knew this team was, was going to be a little different, that's probably when they would say. Is that what you would say? Or, or, or was there a point earlier in the season, or maybe even in the preseason, where you looked around and you said, I have a, 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 we have a chance to be an NCAA tournament team with the guys we have here? You know, I, I couldn't tell you what our schedule was back then. I really don't know. I do remember now that you bring it up. I think we're in Miami playing in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And we played Ohio State. They had Jimmy Jackson, great yeah. player, All-American yeah. NBA guy. And I think they beat us two or three points. I, I think 82-80. All right, we turn around the next night and we play Miami. And we, we should have beat them. We get beat. And I was livid because we should have won that game. Mm-hmm. Back then, before the rules changed, and my players reminded me of this later on, of course, the stories get worse because you know, they get embellished as, you, as years go by. <laughs> but they tell me now that we got back that later on that night, and I said, go get dressed. And we went through a hard practice Yeah. when we got back from Miami. Now, you can't do that now. The rules don't allow yeah, you, that You now. get lit up on social media, Coach, if you do oh, something like that. Yeah. Without question. But we did it. And, you know, you know but, but the Ohio State game, it, it did give us, an idea because Ohio State was top ten team. You know we can play when we play right, and uh, you know when we were playing well, when we were defending, we were getting the ball to Cameron, doing what we were supposed to do, and playing at the pace we wanted to play. We were, we were a good basketball team, and I, and I thought the Ohio State game made our players understand and believe. But then they went out and screwed around the next night because they didn't take that game seriously. I think I, I think I made them understand from then on. Every game has to be taken in the same serious manner because we're not good enough to go out and just beat anybody on talent. We just weren't good enough to do that. Two weeks later, Sunday, January the sixth, nineteen ninety-one. This is the first time in my life I remember Mississippi State being on national television for basketball against Ole Miss in the Hump. Of course, the year before you have the four overtime game, which probably took two or three years off of all of our lives, not just yours. <laughs> And the, you, know, you, you got Ole Miss ahead in the closing seconds, and Cameron Burns goes to the free throw line. And as I recall, his first shot, he got every possible inch of the rim going to, before that free throw finally dropped. Just sort of take us through that moment where you think, okay, you know, 
We were four overtimes last year. Now we've got a win here to, or got a score here to go into overtime. Cameron Burns on the free throw line. What do you remember about that game? Well, I, I, I do remember Cameron on the free throw line, but a very quick story in the four overtime game. Ed Murphy, the coach at Ole Miss, we mm-hmm. took the jobs at the same year. He, he became the coach at Ole Miss. Ed and I were friends. Ed is a Colin graduate, and he was the head coach at Delta State when I was the head coach at Colin, and he recruited some of my players. So we were friends. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's the first overtime, second overtime, or third. I don't remember. I do remember after one of the overtimes, I looked down at Ed on his bench. He looked at me. And I made the symbol like, hey, you just want to flip a coin? <laughs> he just kind of laughed. And I do remember this. I forgot that, that next year was on national TV. Yeah. Because I watched it later on. And Ed Murphy, somehow the mic was close. I know to what him. you're about to say. <laughs> and he said, this game is not going into blanking overtime. That's right. I remember, <laughs> remember it to this day. Yes, to this yeah. day. It's on YouTube if you ever want to rewatch that, MSU fans. Just look this game up and you can hear Ed Murphy but, dropping the F-bomb there. Yeah. He did drop, yes, he did. But anyway, it, I remember we were behind two uh, with just a few seconds going in the game. We had the ball front court side out, and we ran a play that we normally run in a situation where we're bringing Tony Watts off of the baseline screen. Cameron Burns first set a baseline screen for Tony. Try to get Tony a shot. And I think Greg Carter's a throw-in man, and he threw it and got deflected out of bounds. And we didn't have more timeouts. So I just said, run it again, same play. And ran the same play again. And as Tony cleared the screen, and I I don't remember who was guarding Cameron. It might even have been Sean Murphy, but I don't remember that for sure. Mm-hmm. No, it was Patrick Eddy. Yeah. Patrick Eddy, big 6'9", six, 6'10 six, guy. Mm-hmm. We threw the ball. Greg had sense enough. There's only like two seconds to go. Greg Carter had sense enough throw the ball to Cameron, and they called a foul. Yeah. And, and Ed Murphy says, well, I hope he didn't draw blood on that foul. Be very sarcastic with that. <laughs> Cameron goes to the free throw line. He's like a 65 to 66% free throw shooter right. for his career. The first one goes in, as you said, it hit every part of the rim. Cameron's, and nobody else is on the line, with really, which makes it even harder. Yeah, that's, that's right, tough. yeah. It's tough. He got, it makes the second one, and Cameron Burns, who never – ever showed very much emotion. Here's what I remember more than anything else. When that second free throw went through to send the game into overtime, you could see Cameron kind of clinch both fists and drop his head toward his knees and just exhale a huge sigh of relief. He just never showed that kind of emotion. And then obviously we go on to overtime and win the game. Right. Yeah, He, he wasn't the only one breathing a sigh of relief, I promise, Coach, at that point. <laughs> When did the fans buy into this team? When did you start noticing, hey, we've got the hump rocking at this point? You know, I don't really remember. I remember more my first year when we averaged about 2,500 fans a game. Uh, I remember that. Uh, and then it got better each year. But for that particular season, I, I don't. the pr- crowds probably got better as the year went on. Mm-hmm. And you guys remember back then, the students, the student section was down on the floor. Right. On our end, our offensive end of the court, and the students, they, no assignment. You just had to race to get to those seats. Yeah. And as the year went on, we would pay attention how, how those students would show up earlier and earlier and earlier and race to get those front row seats and those kinds of things. But I don't, I don't remember exactly when all that happened. I don't. We talked to Greg Carter earlier this week about the LSU game at home. Let's talk to you about the LSU game on the road, like that you mentioned earlier, because this, this for me. At least, you know, as I remember it was, this is where I realized this team has a chance to win the SEC. This is where you realize, even more so than the Kentucky win at home, you're going to LSU, a team that you had a lot of success against in your coaching career, but they had Shaq and, and they had all those players. Uh, uh, Harold Boudreaux that, uh, that Greg Carter brought up, who I said I think played at LSU from the 50s on. He was just always at LSU in my, my memory. Well, take us through that win down there in Baton Rouge. That was, I think, a Wednesday night game, SEC game of the week on television. And, and you know, you guys got the win. And a game that, as I recall it, you led pretty much start to finish. Well, we did. And, and I would love to find a video of that game because I thought about it a lot that you guys called me about this show. And I don't have a video of that game. And mm-hmm. I'd love to have one. But I can think of the game uh, – I, I remember we had like three or four guys foul out. I think Todd Hatt yeah. fouled out trying to guard you. Carl Nichols fouled out. Uh, David Domain, who was a young player, he played a lot in that game. Uh, but what we did, as you said, we had success at LSU, and there were a lot of reasons for it. Uh, 
one time and it would beat them six times in a row, and it would beat them like eight times in a row. We just had a lot of success against them. So our players believed we could beat LSU. And, you know, the year before, they had Shaquille, Stanley Roberts, and Chris yeah. Jackson. We won that game against that talent. Mm-hmm. So we go into the LSU game, and I can remember we, we came up with this crazy game plan that, that I don't know how I even thought of this, but if we got the lead late in the game, or we were, we were leading late in the game, we were going to go to a zone defense, a 2-3 zone, because I remember LSU only had one really good perimeter shooter. And so all three guys on the back of our zone were going to guard Shaquille, no matter where he was. We're going to front him, we're going to play on the top of him, and then the offside forward on the zone is going to play behind him. We're going to have three guys surrounding Shaquille in the zone. The two guards, wherever the LSU shooter was, we would shade to that side. Our two guards would shade to that shooter's side. It was a defense that I never played before, never played again, but it worked because it was just so unconventional uh, what we tried to do. And what LSU did, and I'll never understand this, once we did that, they quit throwing the ball to Shaquille. And they still could have thrown it to him. We didn't anybody keep him getting the ball in there. They could have still thrown the ball to Shaquille. They just quit throwing it to him because we had him surrounded, and they kept shooting perimeter shots. And I, I think I'm correct, and, and that's the game where Keith Hooper, who was a yeah. walk-on player, was in the game late because so many people foul out, and he made two free throws, I think, at the end maybe, to help win that game. And, and I remember Ira Peterson, who was sitting on the bench, and he and Hoop were great friends, and I've seen this on film. Ira's head, he's got his face covered up with his hands, and Hooper makes the first free throw, and Ira looks up and says, he made it? <laughs> <laughs> So just those kind of memories. I haven't thought about these things in years, guys. I really haven't. You know, uh, but that that was a huge game for us. They win that game uh, in LSU in Baton Rouge with Shaquille on that team. I wouldn't have suggested that defense the year before when they had Chris Jackson, Coach. Well, what we did when they had Chris Jackson, what we would do late in games is anytime he crossed midcourt, we double team. Yeah, we're going to just leave somebody else open. We're going to double team Chris, try to get the ball out of his hand. And sometimes that would work, but Chris was so good, he could be double teams. Yeah. Uh, and he, he would just go through double teams. We actually, that game before, the year before, was an overtime game, and we we double teamed him late in that overtime. And I remember we had three guys on him, and he he almost made a shot to win that game with three guys on him. That's a, he's the best I've ever seen, I'll be honest with you. Chris Jackson is the best basketball player that ever came out of this. Yeah, in my opinion. I'm going to agree with you. I agree with you on that. I mean, just unbelievable. You could just do it all. I remember I went to LSU to cover a game. I think it was Ben Allen's first year. I was amazed his number wasn't retired. Like yeah. I just looked up at the Raptors, like, are you kidding me? They, they I think they just retired it this year. And I, they did. I, I mean, they did. but it's, that should have been like a day one kind of thing. But without regar- question. Yeah, regardless of all that, when we look back at this team, coach, does this does this team have a legacy for you? Does what do you remember best about this team? I remember, you know, the, the how hard they worked. I remember none of them were really highly recruited players. Uh, I, you know, Greg Carter, we beat Southern Miss and Jackson State in Alcorn. Uh, Cameron Burns, uh, Jackson State, I think all of them fooled around with him a little bit. You know, he was an undersized post guy. He's not going to qualify his first year. Uh, Carl Nichols, I think we beat maybe Louisiana Tech. Uh, you know, they're just not highly recruited players. And they came in and, and they bought into what we were doing. They had a great work ethic, high character, uh, wanted to win. Most of those kids had been our camp the year before, and so they knew each other. And and they all wanted to. And what, what John Brady sold these guys on was the idea: all of you Mississippi guys, come to Mississippi State and let's do something great for our state and our university. And they bought into it. And then, of course, we signed Todd Merritt out of Georgia and Chris Clark out of Ohio. Uh, and those were the, the freshmen. But just the, the work ethic they had, uh, the, the trials and tribulations they went through early in the year, the 55-17 to 17 game at halftime against Kentucky, all of that kind of stuff. And then to go to the NIT their junior year and win a game in the NIT and then win the SEC championship, go to the NCAA tournament, 
it, it, it just, I, I don't know, it's it just, it, I get emotional thinking about talking about because that, to me, as much as I love the Final Four team and all that kind of stuff, as good as they were, the 91 team is my favorite team of all time, without a doubt in my mind. It's it's a fun it's a fun team to talk about. I will tell you that, and like I said, I th- I agree with what you're saying that you know it, it does get overlooked because of that Final Four team sometimes, and I also agree with your you know, this this was the the, the 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 pebble that started the avalanche, you might say that this was you know the first the first uh, chip to fall that got Mississippi State basketball back uh, to where where it, you know where it has been for the past few decades. So a lot of fun going down memory lane here with you, Coach. We appreciate your time. I appreciate you guys. If you find me a copy of that 90 season or that, that 90-91 season, that LSU game, uh, I would love to have some of those videos. I don't have any of them. I got a guy, I got a guy who might be know. able to help us, Coach. I'll, I'll reach out to him. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Thanks, guys. Coach. Okay. Appreciate it, Coach. All right, thanks to Coach Williams for joining us. We appreciate that. A lot of good stuff there. And the, the, the best part about doing these interviews is when you learn stuff. And we learned some stuff in that interview. Yeah, I absolutely learned stuff. I did not know that Richard Williams was a part-time coach, and they were like, hey, you be the head guy. Think about that right now. Think about where we are right now. If Ben Howland left today and they gave the job to Tyson Cunningham, that's basically what happened. They basically gave the job to a guy who, you know, he says part-time assistant. Nowadays, that would be called a grad assistant. Yeah. So that's what – imagine. He, and he's right. A power, a SEC team, making that kind of decision, and it, it does show you what MSU basketball was when, he, when Richard Williams took over. And obviously, by the time he left, he had built you know the program to the point where it, it sort of became what it is. And you know, obviously, some ups and downs along the way, but that's to be expected. And this was a very big up, a very big high uh, for Mississippi State. I remember that LSU game so well that the. the, the uh, to have gone to LSU and beaten them, you know, like I said, Richard Williams had a lot of success against LSU, but it was always unexpected. Yeah, you know, because it was always an upset. Yeah. The LSU had such great talent year in and year out. And, you know, state for whatever reason, Richard Williams just had Dale Brown's number for a long time. Uh, and to go down there and beat Shaq, but I didn't know that that, that defensive adjustment, that's very interesting. Uh, and he's right in that they could have still given the ball to Shaq. Shaq, if anybody in college basketball could beat a triple team, it was them. And you got to remember with State, the, the tallest guys on the team are Todd Merritt and Carl Nichols, and they're in 6'9". And, you know, Shaq is 7 feet and 300 pounds and just a monster. So, interesting stuff. Let's hear – I want. we're going to talk to Greg Carter now, also on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. But that game – we're going to talk a little bit more about the LSU game here in Starkville. Of course, that's the, the famous game where State clinches the SEC championship, maybe the biggest home game in history to that point. And honestly – Maybe even since, in terms of you know how many other games has State clinched a conference championship at home like that? So, let's talk now to Greg Carter about that incredible game and and his thoughts on the ninety ninety one season. So joining us now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, former MSU Bulldog player, former MSU Bulldog assistant coach, now currently the reigning state champion head coach at Startville High School, Greg Carter, uh, joining us. We're going to talk a little nineteen ninety ninety one Mississippi State basketball, and of course that. Incredible game against LSU to finish the season. This team, Greg, they don't make teams like this anymore in Power Five basketball. You know, so much experience. You know, you look at the starting lineup: you, Doug Hartsfield, Cameron Burns, Todd Merritt. Then you had Carl Nichols coming off the bench. You had Brad Smith and Greg Carter. Who, or, I'm sorry, Tony Watts, who played in a lot of games. They, they, you don't have teams like this anymore. How much did that play into how much success you guys were able to have in that you just you've been through all those wars together before? It, it had a lot to do with it, you know. Uh, we we came in together as freshmen when we signed. You know, we all talked about winning an SEC championship before we left. Uh, so you know, we came in together. You know, we went through a lot together, and that senior year it just culminated. You know, everything just every everything came together. And when you think about Mississippi State basketball and what it was when you signed to play with Mississippi State, I mean, we're not—we're talking about one of the programs that was towards the bottom of the SEC. It hadn't had any real success since you know in, in almost 25 years at that point. You guys get out to a really good start in a, in a non-conference play. You lose a tough game to uh, Ohio State. You lose a tough game to Miami, and then you start off conference play. You know, and you're having more success than than Mississippi State had had in a long time. We always talk about the hump and, and the atmosphere there. 
When did the people? When did the fans start showing up and start realizing, hey, this team is something special? Probably, probably midway through the SEC schedule. Uh, we lost those those games during the Christmas holidays. Ohio State and Miami. The, the Ohio State game was a close one. We lost it at the end, mm-hmm. and we lost the Miami game that next game because we just had a big letdown. And Coach Williams, you know, he got us refocused going into the SEC play. Um, so we we kind of we started out hot. We won. We won. I remember I remember winning at Tennessee, winning some big games, and people just started to come. The two games in the early part of the schedule, I always come back to. Obviously, that Ole Miss game that you won in overtime. Now, of course, the year before had been four overtimes, and I always remember you know Cameron Burns making those free throws where the first where he got every inch of the rim that you could possibly get before that thing went down. Uh, and then, you know, the game at LSU. LSU's number 14 in the country. This is the game where they're at full strength and Shaq is playing. And you guys went down there, and, you know, the, the final score is 82-79. But from my memory of that game, you guys were in control pretty much the whole way through. Am I right? Right. We led the whole game. We were in control the whole game. We were never intimidated by LSU. Uh, I think I lost one game to LSU in four years. I was just about to say that. Coach Williams had a ton of success against LSU in his tenure. Yeah, yeah. We we always played well against them. I mean, we weren't intimidated by them at all, even though they were big and and you know they were talented. Uh, but we just we just had confidence going in against them. Had a lot of confidence against them. Then you know, there's the big game on February 9th against Kentucky, where you guys get the one point win over over the Wildcats, state's first win over Kentucky, and I don't know how long. Uh, and that was that's the point where I think nationally. People start picking up on this team a, a little bit. That's a top ten win. You're in the polls now. You're in control of the SEC. For you to 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 get over that hump, you know, it's one thing to beat LSU. It's one thing to beat Ole Miss and, and to beat teams like that. But to beat Kentucky, what did that mean to this team? It meant a lot. You know, we went to Kentucky and got beat, and we never. I, you know, as seniors, we still remembered the the whipping they put on us our freshman year. Mm-hmm. You know, our first SEC game was at Kentucky. And we're down 55-17 at halftime. And we still remembered that. And we were still trying to get back over the hump from that. Uh, so it was it was really gratifying to, to, to get that win. And that one gave us, like you said, that one gave us some, some national credibility. You know, we, we, we got a lot of respect around the league, but we also gained some national attention with it. All right, Greg, I'm going to make you feel old a little bit here. I, I guess I, was, I wasn't even quite six years old when this game was played. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 the, the question I'm about to ask, uh, I don't really remember the answer to. I know from I know Shaq did not play in this LSU game. When did you all find out that, that he wasn't going to play? And did, did that change anything for you guys mentally going in as far as, all right, he's not playing, so we already felt like we could win. Now we know we can win kind of thing. Did any of that enter into your mind going into this game? Not really. You know, we already had a lot of – we already had a ton of confidence playing against them anyway. You know, we had beaten them so many times. We had beaten them with Shaq. We had beaten them with Shaq, Chris Jackson, and uh, Stanley Roberts. So, you know, we had, a, we had a lot of confidence playing against them anyway. We were looking forward to playing against Shaq. You know, it was almost like, okay, so what? He's not playing. We still going to win. Yeah, <laughs> and then of course the name that I will remember my whole life is Gert Hammock, the guy you know coming yeah. off the bench had a really good game for LSU, but it obviously wasn't enough for me. You know, I, I, I was I was in high school when this game was played. I always remember the opening when when they come into the game. You know, they, they do the, the the Jefferson Pilot intro or whatever. They come into the game and you see the hump completely packed, all those white pom poms. When you take the court, what was that atmosphere like for you? Man, when I I remember walking out on the court before warm ups was started and in anything we we'd go out and shoot, and I remember going out on the court. Uh, some of the guys were a little nervous about going out shooting, didn't want to go out first. I think it was me and Doug went out first, and it was like we 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 couldn't believe there was so many people in there. Because most of the time we'd go out and shoot before pregame warm up, you might have twenty or thirty people in there, but it was packed already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I didn't find out until after the game that, you know, people had camped out before the game, uh, spent the night outside the hump to get in, the students did. And uh, we had just hired Jackie Sherrill as a football coach. You know, he, he, brought, them, he brought them donuts and stuff that morning. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was electric in there that day. 
I mean, we were we were pumped up and excited and ready to play. Yeah. The yeah. crowd, the crowd just that crowd energized us a lot, especially at the start of that game. Sort of a similar situation, you know, in this game, in that you know you, you never trailed, led by I think by as many as as ten or 11. you had a double digit lead at one point. LSU makes a, a late run, they cut it to a three, and then of all people to get a big bucket, Nate Morris gets a layup <laughs> on, on the fast break, and he gets and then there's a uh, the next play there's a flagrant foul on Harold Boudreaux, who I am almost positive played at LSU for twenty three years. I could be, I, I may be one or two years short, but that guy was there forever. You hit a couple free throws, and then Keith Hooper, another unsung hero of this team, hit a, hit a free throws in, in the end to, to, to sort of nail it up. That that to me sort of sums it all up. It, you know, this team had some stars, you and Cameron, and, and maybe you know Doug Hartsfield, but it was a good team top to bottom. You just had guys who knew their role and knew how to step up. And again, like I said at the beginning, that's sort of rare these days, isn't it? It is. You don't you don't get the. You don't really see a lot of teams with with that many seniors and that much experience on the court at one time. Uh, you 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 really have to look at the smaller schools, the, sm- the mid majors. You know, some of them will have uh, really experienced teams like that, but not in the Power Five conference. You know, everybody's coming out and going pro. Um, you know, so many kids are transferring these days. Uh, but that team we had, it was it was. You know, we had talent from top to bottom, but like you said, everybody knew their role. And everybody played their roles well. Even the guys who didn't get to play much in the games, they challenged us in practice every day. And and, and that we we had some we had some really competitive practices. You know that was a part that people didn't really get a chance to see. Uh, Coach Williams he he played a part in that because you know he designed the practices. But but everybody just everybody bought in, and and the guys that were on the second team and guys that didn't get to play, they really challenged the starters every day in practice. And that, that made us a whole lot better. We talked about this a minute before we went on the air, uh, Greg, but I, I guess since this has happened, uh, Mississippi State's won, I think, one regular season SEC championship since then, 2004, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's got to be special to be a part of this. It hadn't happened just a, a ton um, here. How often do you now, I guess some – Goodness, almost 30 years later, how often do you get a chance to just sit back and think about this and relish it and just how special it was? Is it is it something that crosses your mind a lot? You know, back during the spring, uh, back during the spring, I did. Uh, it was in in March, back in March. I think it was on on Twitter, well, where it was you know it was it, they were talking about the day we beat LSU, um, the anniversary of it, and, and so I went back. I think I pulled it up on YouTube. I watched. <laughs> I watched, I think, the first half of the game uh, and just, you know, thought about everything that happened that day. Um, guys in the in the student section that had the, had the broomstick with a string hanging from it with uh, a, a gorilla with Shaq's number on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, little things like that. Um, me and Harold Boudreaux getting into it. But, and, and, the, and the crazy thing about that is I, I met Harold Boudreaux this, this year during the Christmas break. Oh. And when we when we played our Christmas tournament at the Hump, he was the assistant coach for the team from um, from Louisiana. Oh, okay. And he recognized me. I didn't know who he was. I'm, I'm looking at him, and he's standing there looking at me like, I can't believe you don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like he's like 87 years old, though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so finally he tells me who he is, and we just. Me and him are laughing, and, and everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, you know, it, it took us a few minutes to tell everybody around us the story. That's <laughs> hilarious! Dang, I didn't know that. That's good stuff. I hate yeah. to, I hate to end on a sour note, but let's talk about the, the final two games and what 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 do you, you know looking back and you've had time to think about it obviously all these years. What happened to this team in the postseason? Man, we we probably should have stopped playing after the LSU game. <laughs> <laughs> We never got over it. Uh, that's all we talked about. And, you know, in the dorm, in the union, on the weekend, that's all we talked about. We just won We just won SEC championship. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about winning the SEC championship when we signed. You know, we went through a whole lot to get to this point. Everybody that signed didn't make it. But we made it, and we won the SEC championship. We just we, – we, we stayed in that moment way too long. Because it was something we wasn't used to. So when we played the SEC tournament, 
you know, I'll never forget first round of the SEC tournament. The practices, you know, we were really we really didn't have good practices going into it. Uh, we we just couldn't get back focused. Uh, going in going to Syracuse to play Eastern Michigan in the NCAA tournament. You know, leading up to the NCAA tournament, all that was talked about was the fact that Mississippi State had to sneak out of town to play in the yeah. NCAA tournament against Loyola. Mm-hmm. And so we really wasn't focused in that game either. Mm-hmm. You know, even after we lost the Syracuse game, we celebrated winning the SEC championship again. <laughs> 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 well, so, I mean, we never, we never got over winning the SEC championship. Yeah. Well, it was a heck of a team and a heck of a run and certainly something that all Bulldog fans who, who were around for it will remember for, for a long, long time. Greg, thank you so much for your time tonight. This was really good stuff. We appreciate it. And uh, good luck again. This are, are you, You're still coaching Starville High. I hear you always talk about this is going to be your last year. You're still at Starville <laughs> High, right? I'm still there. I, I, I expect another state championship uh, brought back to this city come, uh, come uh, I guess, uh, February or March. <laughs> we'll be working on it. All right. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, Greg. Thanks for having me. All right, two really good interviews. I hope you guys enjoy them. Thanks again to Coach Williams and Greg Carter for joining us. Really appreciate their time. I feel like I said we learned a lot. We had some laughs. And I, we really needed them because, like I said, Joel's a little kid yeah. when this is happening. I was, you know, what, 15, 16 years old, I guess. And I remember a lot of it, but I don't have the same vivid memories I do of that Final Four team when I was in college and I went to a lot of the games. So thanks to these guys for filling in a lot of the blanks. I thought it was a lot of fun. We'll be back with you on on Sunday afternoon. Until then, for Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.